Sundays from St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church here in Fredericton, New Brunswick. Today is World Communion Sunday, and we are so excited to have you with us to worship today. Our worship leaders are David Berry, who is our organist. Our lectionary reader is Eleanor Scott. Our psalmist is Tom Good, and I am Susan Brazier. Because it is World Communion Sunday, we will be celebrating the Eucharist. So I would like you to pause this video and scamper off to your kitchen and see if you can't find a morsel of bread, perhaps a cracker, something, something. And find something to drink, preferably some grape juice, but wine, water, and then restart the video and join us for worship today. The banqueting table is prepared and God has called us to the feast. We have come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, to sit at God's table. Compassion, love, and grace pour out like fine wine. We taste the bread of life, bread for the journey. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Let us come to the table and see that God is good. and the gift of your spirit, open our minds to greater understanding, our hearts to deeper love, and our wills for greater service. Amen. Music remains one of the most poignant ways in which to express love. This was also the case in ancient Israel and Judah. Isaiah plays on the genre of a love song but the prophet recomposes the love song into a lament. Reading from Isaiah 5, verses 1 to 7. Let me sing of my beloved, my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. 
He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. He expected it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, inhabitants of Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I expected it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its walls and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed and it shall be overgrown with briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are his pleasant planting. He expected justice, but saw bloodshed, righteousness, but heard a cry. The reading from the Psalms this week is from Psalm 80, verses 7 through 15. Restore us, O God of hosts, and let your face shine that we may be saved. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. Why then have you broken down its walls so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit? The boar from the forest ravages it and all that move in the field feed on it. Turn again, O God of hosts, look down from heaven and see and have regard for this vine, the stock that your right hand planted. This is the word of the Lord. Reading from Philippians 3, verses 4b to 14. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the house of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew, born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. 
I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There are wine cultures and there are beer cultures. To brew beer requires a lot of water. Wheat, with its shallow roots, needs a constant source of water to grow, and you need an abundant source of water just to brew beer. Wine cultures, on the other hand, can persist in arid places where the rainfall may be sparse or unpredictable. Grapevines send their roots deep into the rocky, parched soil, seeking moisture from the depths of the earth. Ancient Egypt, with the ever-flowing Nile, was a beer culture. Ancient Judea, tucked between the hills in the eastern Mediterranean, was a wine culture. Grape production was an essential part of human survival in this beautiful but difficult land that would see the birth of Christianity. In the parched, arid world that made up ancient Israel, people collected water in cisterns during the rainy season so that they would have sufficient water for the months when no rain fell. Just think if your drinking water sat stagnant through the hot, rainless summer months in a large clay-lined pool. Maybe a few bugs swimming around, maybe a random reptile. Not only is such an image unappetizing, but it is also a breeding ground for bacteria. So to solve the problem of the taste and the health concerns, people mixed wine in with the water. The alcohol in the wine would kill the bacteria in the water, and it would also kill the horrible taste. Wine production is reflected repeatedly throughout the Bible. Eleanor read for us this morning from Isaiah a description of a vineyard with its plants, its wall, and a watchtower. Tom presented Psalm 80, again describing a vineyard with plants, a wall, and a watchtower. Our gospel reading comes from Matthew, chapter 21, verses 33 through 45, in which Jesus tells a parable about a vineyard. Listen now for the word of God. Hear another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. When the season for fruit drew near, he sent servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants 
and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did the same to them. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and we will have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to these tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their season. Jesus said to them, have you never read the scriptures? The stone that the builder rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to people producing fruits of the kingdom. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking about them. This is a word of God. In this parable, the owner prepares a perfect vineyard, move in ready. There is a wall to protect the plants from animals. And yes, deer were a problem for our ancient fellow farmers, uh, just like they are for us. The owner built a watchtower, which is more than just a cool treehouse kind of thing. An agricultural watchtower was often a two-story building for the farmers and their entire family to stay during the harvest season. It was a place of protection and security. The fields were prepared and planted, and then, just to help with the production, Jesus includes in his parable the little detail of a state-of-the-art wine press. So, does this remind you of another famous biblical garden, perhaps called Eden? Remember in Genesis, God created earth and all that is in it. Then God created humans to tend the garden. We read in chapter 2 of Genesis, verse 15, the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and to keep it. Like Eden, the garden in this parable really has minimal work, just enough to keep the people busy and amused. I really enjoy gardening, as I suspect many other people who are listening to this video sermon do as well. There is such great satisfaction and delight in watching plants develop and grow. As any member of my family can tell you, I absolutely love being able to walk through my garden in the late summer pick the right produce, and then enjoy the pleasure of preparing a beautiful harvest for supper. The culinary delights of freshly picked produce, I think, is an art form all of its own. No symphony is better. So in Jesus' parable, the cost for leasing this lovely vineyard, complete with its state-of-the-art wine press, the tenants were just to return a portion of the produce to the owner. For the lawyers among us, archaeologists digging through ancient 
garbage dumps, have recovered a number of papyri containing the details of such agricultural contracts. I'm not certain what that says about lawyers and their creation of trash, eh, but, but what we do know is that for the people listening to Jesus' parable, those people of first century, the parable of the tenants would be completely familiar with this type of legal arrangement. The problem presented by our parable is that the tenants forgot about the contract and what they owed to the owner. They came to believe that everything belonged to them and they wanted to keep it for themselves. Perhaps they'd become frightened that they would not have enough. Perhaps they even thought that the owner would squander what they had worked so hard for. The tenants in our parable attempted to cheat the owner of his portion. They forgot all the labor of the owner in building the wall, clearing the fields, planting the vines, constructing the watchtower to keep the farmers and their families safe in this lovely garden. Sometimes I think maybe we're not all that different from the ancient Israelites. We accept God's abundance, and then we forget that everything we have is not our own. I think about people I know who will proudly proclaim that they don't owe anybody anything. They worked to pay their own way through university, or that they built their successful business from the ground up and they never took a handout from anybody. But such a position is to forget that much of what we have is an accident of birth. We take pride in our accomplishments. And we forget that in addition to all of our hard work and our training and our practice, we have natural talents, such as David's wonderful music talent. And that is simply a rule of his, the dice of his DNA. Accidents of birth. Accidents of birth of being born into a family that prized education and made certain that we had opportunities to attend school. Accidents of birth to be born in Canada with a stable government. People work hard and expect to be rewarded for their labor. And I completely agree, and I suspect so does God. But we must not lose sight of the fact that everything we have, just everything, comes from our Creator. We who have been so blessed truly are privileged to be able to give back to God out of our abundance. So what do we owe God? You know this. Every one of us knows this. As Eleanor read from Isaiah, our God wants justice. God wants us to take care of each other and of all of creation. That is what human beings were made for. In the parable, Jesus tells his listener that the vineyard will be given to tenants who produce fruit of the kingdom, fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But here's the good news. Like grapevines during the drought, we can be restored to God and flourish in God's vineyard. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, describes exactly how he held such a self-important attitude. If anyone has confidence in the flesh, I have more. He says, he was counted among the most elite. He was the best of the best, according to his culture and in his social circles. And like the wicked tenant, 
he forgot what he owed God. But when he came to understand Jesus Christ and became a follower of Jesus Christ, he realized that he was nothing without God. He writes, Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on to the goal. Whatever he was, whatever his accomplishments, whatever his sins, he sets them aside and looks to a new future, a future that is full of fruit of the Spirit, a future that is full of the abundance of God, a future that restores the people to the peace of God, a future of redemption and reconciliation with each other and with the Lord God Almighty, a future where parched roots of a vineyard are quenched with God's overflowing love. Jesus served wine to his friends on that last night of the Lord's Supper. Christianity is forged in a wine culture. It persists and it survives. It persists in the face of want. It persists in the face of harsh conditions of rainless summers. Grapevines are made to endure, waiting until the winter rains return. Those rains always return. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Amen. Okay, my friends, we are going to participate in a virtual communion because even though we are separated, we are still together. We join this table in unity. So go gather up your, your bread and your wine and let us come together. Brothers and sisters, the table is set. It is set for all. Around it, there are no divisions. Just as the bread is not made from one grain, but from many, and the wine is not from one grape, but from a full harvest, so too we, who are many, are made one in Christ. This is a sacrament of unity. Come, all of you, to join neighbors 
east and west and north and south to celebrate Christ's presence with us. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give God thanks and praise. It is our calling and our greatest joy to give you thanks and praise, Lord God, creator, sustainer of heaven and earth. You spoke, and all things came into being, the sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, the sky, water, and everything they contained. Your spirit swept over creation, bringing order out of chaos and life out of a formless void. From the elements of the earth, you created humankind in your holy image. You breathe life into us and call us to love and serve you with one another in a covenant and in community. But we turn away, seeking to live in our own way. Yet you have never, never turned away from us. Though the law and the prophets, you called us back to you. And in the fullness of time, you sent your son, Jesus, born of a mother's flesh, to reveal your grace and love. Again and again, you welcome us back to your side with the open arms of a loving father. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with those from every time and every place to proclaim your glory. Holy is your son, Jesus, walking on this earth, feeding the hungry, calling the lost, seeking out the forgotten, offering healing and teaching to all who sought him out. He revealed your kingdom at work in your world. Among his friends, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took a cup and he offered it to his friends saying, this is a new covenant sealed with my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Drink from it, all of you. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, in the name of Jesus, we recall the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Oh, God, pour out your spirit among us and upon this bread and this wine. May they be for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Gather your church together from the ends of the earth into the kingdom where there is peace and justice and that they are realized so that with all of your people, we may share the heavenly banquet that you have prepared through Christ, with Christ, and in Christ. All honor and glory are yours, creator and sustainer of all. Glory to you forever. Please join me in the bread and the wine.
listen now for the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Tatăl nostru, care ești în ceruri, sfințească-se numele tău. Atatea tua cu mamba, zina la nu li eresedui. Ons, ons, ondes scult, sua ons uac, ons golden ars for hiavehe. Notre Père, qui est aux cieux, que ton nom soit sanctifié. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Vie împărția ta, facă-se voia ta, precum în ceruri și pe pământ. Cu funa oanul cu citirile, cu mamba de pansipano. An i behoort die koningskap en die kracht en die eerlijkheid voor altijd. Que ton ren vienne, que ta volonté soit faite sur la terre comme au ciel. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Pâinea noastră cea de toate zilele, dă-ne nouă astăzi, astăzi și ne iartă nouă greșelile noastre. Mutipaste i fecea cu deacea tucea lero. Donne-nous aujourd'hui notre pain de ce jour. Pardonne-nous nos offenses, comme nous aussi nous pardonnons à ceux qui nous ont offensés. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Și ne arde nou greșelile noastre, așa cum și iertăm noi greșiților noștri. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Dumnezeu este regele nostru, în numele Tatălui, al Fiului, al Sfântului Duh, amin. Amen. Ce fucă o fumoanță în diuanul, cu ea în pilarelor de masicuanță, amin. Huerte cu un înscap, în crach, în ierlăcăit fără altăit, amin. Carsetă toa că apartiene dans tous les siècles, la reine, la puissance et la gloire. Amen. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, you have nourished us in this meal and fed our bodies and our souls. We have heard your love. Now send us out to speak it. We have seen your love. Now send us out to show it. We have been fed by all of your love. Now send us out to share it and let all things be done for you in your glory. Amen. Mm -hmm.